I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at bluenile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to this On the Continent Transfer Special, your definitive guide to the news across Europe. I'm Dotton Adebayo. I'm Andy Russell. And I'm Nikki Bandini. On this summer transfer special edition, is Bayern Munich ready for a caning? A Harry caning? And who will survive the big clear-out at Juventus? And who's letting their mum sort out who gets their autograph for next season? And who doesn't? Coach Max Allegri is staying. Is everyone happy? And your questions as to the who, what, why and where of the transfer window and the what-ifs and the what-nots of the hotter-than-July rumours and speculation about the moves and movers and shakers of the summer. <sighs> Lots to talk about. Nikki, welcome back. Andy, uh, whew, what a summer, eh? So far. So what everybody wants to know is um, Harry Kane and Bayern Munich. Is it a love affair made in Germany? It could be. And... Um... I think there will be Spurs fans who are hoping for a similarity that it's a reprise of the Manchester City saga that didn't quite happen, that, that wasn't consummated um, going back a couple of years. Um, we'll have to wait and see on that. I think it's always difficult to imagine Kane not in the white of Spurs as, as well as out of the Premier League. But what has happened over the last little while certainly over the last week, is that it has become public that Harry Kane is open to the idea, is keen on the idea of going to Bayern. And this is the first time, really, that we've had a sense from his camp that he might entertain football outside the Premier League. 
of course, we've heard PSG mentioned before. We've heard Bayern mentioned before. The, the interest of Bayern in Harry Kane is not new. It goes back for at least 18 months. But to see Kane respond positively to it, and we've spent a lot of time wonder, wondering about it, but it's always been a hypothetical. And now, maybe, it's moving into the realms of reality. Can you see this happening, Nicky, after all? Because it's not just about the love affair between Kane and Bayern, if there is one, but it's also about, well, Tottenham want their money and Bayern can't really afford what they were asking last time around, can they? Yeah, I, I can see it happening, but that doesn't mean it will happen, if you see what I mean. I, there's a logic to it that, that makes some sense because... If Daniel Levy decides that he is willing to let Kane go, and that is a big if, because there's certainly been some some sources close to Daniel Levy who've been briefing the press that he's not letting him go, whatever, that he's going to keep hold of him, run out the contract, and that's where he's drawing his line in the sand. Now, I think with all sources at this time of year, you have to take everything with a grain of salt because everyone's sort of positioning themselves, aren't they? Everyone's sort of giving off the sort of information they want to to the market, and that's not always... Um, completely accurate sometimes it's about sort of setting a, a sort of marketing a, a negotiating position that, that's, that's harder to deal with but but I do think if you are in Daniel Levy's position if you do get to the point where you think you want to consider a sale if you do think there's a price if you have a price in your head you'd certainly rather sell him outside of the Premier League wouldn't you so from yeah. Tottenham's point of view it makes some sense and as Andy says that the, the big sort of shift in, in this story is that we we now know, or at least we think we know, that uh, Harry Kane is open to Bayern Munich. And if he's open to it, then I, I think it's something that I, on a footballing level, I can really see it. I think that he's such a nice fit um, for, for Bayern Munich and, and seeing it sort of from Thomas Tuchel's standpoint, and obviously Tuchel has been in contact with Kane is, is what we've heard. Um, you can sort of completely understand why as a sort of manager like he might have this great excitement at the thought of oh what could Kane do in this team because it's kind of a team crying out for Kane isn't it it's kind of a team that's crying out for not just a number nine who can score the goals we know Harry Kane can score goals he fills the box he has an absolutely ridiculous sort of conversion rate compared to the XG um numbers that that he you know are already impressive numbers that he generates um but he also is a a a center forward who will drop into the half spaces from that number nine position who will operate really sort of smoothly with runners alongside him. And I think that that's what Bayern have obviously got in abundance, whether it's Sane, Musiala, Nabri, they've got all these players who want to make those runs on. And you've got just the one thing missing from the recipe is a back to goal striker sometimes who will come back and fill those spaces. I think Harry Kane on a footballing level makes so much sense there um, that I definitely can see it. That doesn't mean that it's going to happen because there's a lot of negotiating that needs to happen before it could. Yeah, I'm glad you said that because even though, Andy, that Bayern, I mean, Harry Kane, I can see it, they've needed a proper replacement for Robert Lewandowski mm. and you can see Harry Kane fitting in there. But as Nicky and yourself have already alluded to, there are many uh, pieces of, of the puzzle that need to work and that goes to the heart of this question from Kelly. Is Kane to Bayern actually possible? It is possible since he's opened up to it. I think that's the big change as is, is, is we've identified here. Going back to how we would fit in the team, I think Nicky's absolutely spot on. I think you look at um, Musiala, you look at Zane, uh, you look at Gnabry, they would all benefit from him. And it's one thing having 
Mane runners, as well. Runners that will, well, I don't think Mane is really part of their future plans. Um, but he, he would actually. Yeah, you're right. I, th- I think he, he would as well. Um, maybe it puts him in a better position to succeed at, at, at Bayern going forward. And maybe it would make Bayern re- reconsider. Um, on, on a wages perspective, perhaps they would have to get him off the books uh, if Kane arrives because clearly he will be the, the the highest earner at the club and they've got some pretty big earners already. Now, I think the difference is when you've got those runners, it's one thing if you've got Lewandowski to hold the ball up and, and lay it off. The level of pass that those wide players are going to get from Kane mm-hmm. is on a different level. There's no other striker who can actually do that. So in terms of what Nicky was talking about as a, a perfect fit, I think that's absolutely right. But I think the best fit that he is... It's not actually to do with anything of the playing side. Where they really lacked Bayern last season was having that number nine that they knew was the boss. That made the difference because you have all these excellent forward players jostling for position, jostling to be the man. That created such a disequilibrium in the dressing room. Whereas now, if you know Kane's your number nine, there's no discussion. Everyone has to fit around him. I think it makes what can be really a, a sharp pull of egos a lot more stable. And, and that was really what caused them a lot of problems last season. So he's the first name on the team sheet, Nicky. And it's a good, it's a possible good fit for Bayern. How about for Harry Kane? Is it a good move for him? Yeah, I, I think it. It's it's almost an unanswerable question when it comes to Kane because only Harry Kane knows what he wants. And like what he values, uh, obviously he's talked about wanting to win silverware, and 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 there's no question if he goes to Bayern, there's a very good chance he's going to win the Bundesliga, and and that's something, right? You can get your first league title pretty straightforwardly, um, you'd imagine. Of course, this season there was a bit of jeopardy in it, but signing Harry Kane in itself would probably take away some of that jeopardy, given we're talking about the one thing that teams were missing. So, yeah, he he gets silverware. Um, almost certainly by joining Bayern, he also gets to compete for the Champions League. And I think that's probably a bigger part of the puzzle for a 29-year-old than than just the sort of winning the Bundesliga. I, I, I don't imagine that Harry Kane grew up dreaming of the Bundesliga title specifically, but I do think he probably spent a lot of his uh, formative years watching the Champions League and thinking that's where I want to be. And he's got to be there a bit with Tottenham, but he hasn't got to be there as often as he could have been for a player of his talent. And I think that at Bayern Munich, there's one thing you can say with pretty much total certainty is it's going to be in that competition every season. So he's going to get the chance to play in it and play in it for a team that has a realistic chance to win it. We know Bayern are capable of it. We know that he could aspire to win the Champions League there. So I, I think those... Uh, are the things that that on paper look like a great fit um the things that are harder to 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 sort of quantify and and you know there was a piece um Alan Shearer had a piece in in the Athletic this this week about this sort of like you don't know in Harry Kane's life whether the most important thing to him is the feeling of sort of where he's living of what his family's doing of what he sort of um gets to go home to and all these things weirdly like and and this is something that I feel like I almost need to sort of throw to and perhaps Andy um would would have a better feel for this than I do as as someone who's spent more time covering German football up close than I have I have this sense that actually I I sort of can see Harry Kane fitting in Bavaria in the culture of Bavaria in the culture of Bayern Munich (laughs) but I think that's that's maybe something that's for me a bit intangible and maybe someone else could could put that into better context than I could 
Everyone's having a great time at Oktoberfest, Nicky. It's, <laughs> it's just the, the other 11 and a half months of the year that you have to concern about. And I think that's a really good point, actually, when uh, you brought that up. I always remember Chiro Immobile, actually, talking about his um, spell in, in Germany when um, they, they went over there from Torino, him and his, his, his partner who's expecting a baby at the, the, the time. And... Um, that this was this was a Lewandowski succession in a way because um, <coughs> Dortmund were trying to move on from Lewandowski. They bought two strikers in Immobile and Adrian Ramos from Hertha. Neither of them really worked out. There were little flashes of Immobile, but Immobile said the worst thing he found is that lack of family atmosphere mm. in German football, and he said he found it really hard to fit in, really hard to to be part of it. Perhaps it was a linguistic thing, which I imagine would be less of an issue for Harry Kane because really, if, if you arrive in Germany speaking English, you're unlikely to ever learn to speak German because mm. everyone speaks English to you. So it's, it's, it's slightly different. But knowing Kane is a family guy, I'm sure that will be something that he will want to look into and, uh, and find out. But yeah, from a football perspective, I think it's a huge fit. Um, I think Nick, the thing I wanted to, to, to sort of say, sorry, about um, sorry, about the Bayern thing is when I think about Bayern as a football club and perhaps I'm reaching too far by sort of making any assumptions about Bavaria because I've only been there a few times for, for football games. Um, but Bayern as a club sort of present and have presented, I feel like, as um, I guess like just absolutely sort of like top tier professionalism is our brand like we want to be like completely sort of like clean cut and professional in everything we we approach and and they sort of set that as a very sort of um I don't know that that to me feels like the Bayern model and I think that Harry Kane is that Harry Kane is not sort of I don't know to to draw a contrast perhaps the the emotion and and sort of chaos of of Naples which has been you know Napoli's produced a Mm. brilliant football team this season but he is that he is I'm going to show up and do my job brilliantly every day and he did it through some pretty sort of difficult and, and grim times at Tottenham as well as the good times he's always been consistently that and I I, I think I don't know to me Bayern has this brand of consistency and and and, and of just sort of always being on point that I think he sort of so fits into somehow you're saying that he's looking for what Guardiola was looking for at Bayern Rather than being the stability, he wants to be in the stability. Maybe. I, and I don't well, know. That's, that's my speculation. Point. Yeah, it's, it's, an inter- it's an interesting point. All I would say is, after obviously Tottenham losing a lot of sporting direction over the last couple of years, and you know that's, that's indisputable, maybe he does yearn that, that sort of certainty. Mm. This is not the time you're going to find it a bind, I would say. Because, of course, Hernes and Rummeniger have had to come back because, you know, they left the children in charge of the crash and it didn't really work out that well. So they're looking for a new sporting director who they don't have yet. Thomas Tuchel's more influence than he might have on transfers for the moment, which I would suggest is at least partially driving this deal as well. So maybe Kane needs to look beyond the cliche. Interesting thought from Tony Garvin. He used to play for Tottenham and won the FA Cup with them in 1981. Talking about Harry Kane just yesterday with me, he said, look, Harry Kane, look at him. He is a perfect role model in the team. He never says the wrong things. He says the right things. He's a, he's a, if you like, an icon for all the younger players in the team. And of course, Bayern could do with that as well, I imagine. But, Nicky, they have other options in European centre-forwards. You, you've raved before about Victor Osimhen, who um, 
was one of the top scorers in the European leagues last year. Would you go for Harry Kane over Osimhen? Um, there's an obvious case you made for us. I mean, he's, he's much younger than, than Harry Kane. You're getting a player with, with more of his career ahead of him. Um, I think Osterman is absolutely capable of, of, of being someone who um, is on a level with Kane in his career. I think, I think he's that level of talent. I think he's an extraordinary footballer. I've said this many, many times. Um, if you're going to put any one sort of negative mark in, in Osterman's camp compared to Kane's, I would say Osterman has, has had injuries every season at Napoli and if there's one thing that Harry Kane has had his ankle injury as well but he's still been on the pitch an incredible amount Harry Kane um, and I think that's something to 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 sort of weigh up but no I think that Osman is is the higher value talent because he's got more years in his contract because he's got more years left in his career and I think that's why when I've seen these reports in the last couple of days that oh Bayern could turn their attention from Kane to Osman and get him at the same sort of price I think those people are probably being too optimistic because I think that Aurelio De Laurentiis who probably in negotiating terms is Italy's answer to Daniel Levy. He's someone who's every bit as, as sort of willing to, to dig in and say no as Daniel Levy. Um, I, I think he's not soft. I think he'll look at and say, if you come to him having had a bid for Kane turned down and try to come to him with a similar price, he'll go, well, my player's got years in his contract. He's got years in his career. No, I'll, I'll be expecting more than whatever you're getting turned down uh, by for Tottenham. So I, I think the price for, the price for Osman has been, sort of put out there at 150 million euros, which I, I doubt Bayern are going to. It's possible De Laurentiis would take a bit less than that, but I don't know how much less than that he'd take. Yeah, that's right. I mean, the, the price has been put up as any anything up to 180 um, by... Um, 180! Uh, yeah, there, there you go. <laughs> by, um, by De Laurentiis. And he's in a good position because he has had dialogue with Aussie men all summer. Um, they've talked about a new contract and more money, um, which who knows might include a buyout clause in it. We'll have to we'll have to wait and see. Um, but he's also consulted him in depth on the new coach, who's ended up being Rudy Garcia, rather than Christoph Galtier, who Ozzyman wasn't interested in having as, as as Napoli coach. So, I guess the thing with Bayern and Ozzyman, there are two things. Firstly. Um, Ozzyman's girlfriend is German and she would quite like to go back at some point. The other thing is that if Bayern are looking for a more straight Lewandowski replacement, Ozzyman is that. He is a different player to Kane and he would be more of a, a fit for that Lewandowski role if that's what they decide, what they want, want as, as well as younger, as well as with room to progress even, even further, you, you would imagine. Um, he's, he's going to get better and better, fitness pending. Um, but the, the the idea that Bayern are, are, are trying to scare Spurs by saying, well, if you don't accept what we're offering, maybe we'll, we'll take our business elsewhere. Bayern are not used to paying huge fees for players. And it's interesting to see them get nowhere near the top of the race for Declan Rice, a player who they were really interested in, a player who Thomas Tuchel spoke to on the phone a couple of times and sounded him out about, about coming to, to, to Bayern. So Bayern have known from the start of this summer that they need to spend, as we said last week, big on a world-class number six and a world-class number nine. But they've not historically got the appetite for paying these exorbitant fees for players. And that's without talking about the wages, which, which they have paid. They've, they've, 
paid plentiful wages in the past and they continue to to, to do so. So the idea that they are going to get into a bidding war with Aussie men, I find a bit fanciful. I think Kane is the more doable deal, definitely, even if that might not have looked like the case a, a couple of months ago. And I think you look at the continuing good relationship between Napoli and Aussie men and the, the high price, which they're in every right to, to, to charge, especially as they're in a position where they know they're probably selling Kim to Bayern in July because he's got that buyout clause. So they're not short of money or anything like that. And they're going back in the Champions League next season. I think you look at Aussie men linked to all these Premier League teams, Premier League teams who've backed off in the case of Manchester United, certainly have been linked with Aussie men, who've backed off Harry Kane. Aussie men is a more difficult deal to do. I think. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. This episode of the Football Ramble is sponsored by BetterHelp. Life throws many different challenges at us, and as a result, we all have our own sources of stress. Whether big or small, those stresses can impact our lives in unpredictable ways, and if we don't address them, they can have an outsized and unwanted impact. Therapy is a safe place in which we can address these issues, learn to understand them, and find ways to work through them. Having therapy can be beneficial to anybody, not just people who've experienced major traumas, even if you may have not considered it before. It could be simply a time for you to get things off your chest, a way to learn positive coping skills or how to set boundaries. Ultimately, it can be whatever you need it to be. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you have to do is fill out a brief questionnaire and BetterHelp will match you to a licensed therapist. You can even switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com forward slash ramble today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com forward slash ramble. Now, Nikki, as much as um, I would love to talk to you about vanilla rice, 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 baby, um, we haven't got time for that. We have got time to talk about Juventus. We're going to need time, aren't we? Because there's a big clear-out happening in the summer. 
The coach, Max Allegri, is staying. Is everybody happy? <laughs> Good guy, Max Allegri, turned down the, the, the cash from the Saudis to stay in Turin and probably has, like, out of all the sort of big names that, that have headed in that direction, the one fan base that was like, oh, no, off you go. We don't mind. You, you take that money. So, no, there's lots of Juventus fans who, who've been sort of Allegri out for a while, I suppose. Um, he, he He's a very divisive figure. But um, it's complicated in the case of Juventus by the fact that I think his future feels bound up with the future of several players there. They've had some, I'm sure we're going to get onto them, some some big names, Federico Chiesa and, and Dusan Vlaovic, who look like they might be on the way out this summer. And, and some of their sort of feeling around their futures ties into, well, has Max Allegri got the best out of them? What's his relationship been like with those two players? So... It's a really complicated picture there. And, and I think that a lot of fans would be happy to see the back of him. But I also think there are people within the Juventus hierarchy who feel like, actually, we're not in this sort of position of power right now. We've missed out on the Champions League. We've been dealing with major sort of horrible legal cases around the club and keeping hold of a top-level manager who has won it all before, at least domestically, without having to go and hunt for someone else is is a more stable, better position than we would have otherwise got. Nikki, I really wanted to ask you, one of the big black clouds hanging over Juventus, actually, and you talked about the frustration of Vlaovic and Chiesa, and the sense that they feel, they might feel that, that they could develop better elsewhere. I think we've seen that as well with um, Kulusevski and mm-hmm. Ben Tankur. Kulusevski, particularly when he first arrived at Tottenham, and Ben Tankuru is terrific up until his injury. Players who just look like squad filler at Juventus, who have, in the Premier League, gone on to look like really, really good players with big futures. I mean, firstly, Vlaovic and Chiesa must have a look at that and think, this could be us. You know, why haven't we gone forward? I mean, you know, they'd be quite right to self-analyse as well. But it feels like, Juventus have become one of those clubs, a bit like Manchester United a couple of years ago, where good talent is not developing, certainly not at a, a sufficient rate. Now, that can't all be down to Max Allegri, can it? No, I mean, again, like the the, the chaos at the club has been all engulfing. I, again, some of it not helped by the chaotic process of Italian sporting justice, but this is a team that suffered a major points deduction last season saw its entire board resign and, and leave. There is a lack of direction at the club that is um, goes much above um, Allegri's pay grade. But I also think he doesn't escape responsibility for the players you mentioned not developing as well as they could have. Uh, what about Matthias Delict, Andy, as well? I mean, he went to Juventus mm. with this very specific idea that he was going to the school of defending and that was going to be the best place that he could could learn. And he's looked better again since since leaving and heading to, to Bayern. Um, I, I think that Allegri, it's really difficult because I think in in the sort of discourse these days, it feels like everything has to be all good or all bad all the time. And I think Allegri can can fit into a grey area for me because I think he is someone whose achievements sometimes get unfairly maligned. And I think I sort of want to sort of state all that stuff to defend him before I say that, no, I, I do think that if you want to give valid criticism of him, I think he's shown in the last few years a real lack of 
creativeness in his thinking about certain young players. I think you contrast him with, for instance, Stefano Pioli at Milan, who's had all these young players come in, who's managed to get the best out of one after another, from Tamori to Chow to um, to um, Rafael Leao, and and even players who some of those he's he's expressed some sort of challenges with. But Allegri hasn't developed these players. He hasn't brought them on. You've spent a tremendous amount of money on, on Vlaovic um, to bring him in in mid-season and, and his form's got gradually worse. His, his first um, sort of few weeks, months after joining, if Fiorentina feel like his best, frankly. Um, and I think that um, that picture is is difficult for Juventus. Um, what does it mean in a, in a transfer context? What does it mean those players, I think, is is a big question because... Do you, for the sake of sticking by this manager, risk losing assets that could have benefited you a lot in the long term? In terms of transfers, I think Andrew made a really, really um, profound point earlier on when he was talking about Immobilier. Immobilier. Immobilier is French. And it's, 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 it's not Andrew either. <laughs> Sorry? It's not Andrew either. No, it is Andrew. <laughs> What's your mum call you? <laughs> hey, well, as, as Andrew was saying earlier, I'm making a <laughs> profound point about... It's not the, the point in the pod to tell me <laughs> off. <laughs> I wouldn't do that. But about the cultural difference, you know, between North and South, if you like, Germany and Italy, in terms of culturally or family culture, you know, eating dinner together, etc. There is one player in Juventus's squad, who bucks the trend of uh, potentially outgoing players from the team, uh, which is Rabiot, who mm. has signed a contract, a year-long contract, but nevertheless, it's a family affair, I understand. Well, I, I mean, I, I don't know if you're referring to, as Andy was saying before we the podcast, we always have to mention that Rabiot is represented by his mum. Rabiot's I mean, look, Rabiot is a fascinating case, right? I've just said, like, Allegri has had this, for me, has struggled to develop some really important young players at Juventus in recent seasons, and that's a, a black mark against him. On the other hand, he's absolutely got the most out of Rabiot, where everyone else last summer was desperate to see the back of Rabiot. Um, and, and it feels like this really sort of odd sliding doors moment. Like, everyone was really anxious to get rid of Rabiot. He was very unpopular with just about everyone in Turin, except for Max Allegri, who wanted him to stay. And this season, we saw the best season of Rabiot in years, I mean, the, the knock on him before last season at Juventus was you've got this player who has these tools, who has these sort of um, what look like technical abilities that he should be contributing something, who just contributed almost absolutely nothing to the score sheet and to the assist chart. This season, he scored eight goals in Serie A at assists. He was suddenly contributing in a really tangible way. And that is um, to, to Allegri's credit. And, and keeping hold of him felt like within Allegri's Juventus, probably the most important single player you could keep hold of, which is pretty extraordinary, again, given where we were last summer. And as Dotton was saying, Nicky, a one-year contract, which I think is... Mum's played a blinder here, I think, because <laughs> he's doing, I guess from a French perspective, what would seem to be the belt and braces approach. Because ever since Karen Benzema went to Real Madrid in 2009 had a bad first season and didn't get picked for the World Cup squad in, in, in 2010. It's always been considered a bit of a taboo in France to move the year before a major championship, and especially a major championship in Euro 2024 that France were expected to win. Now, Rabiot was terrific at the World Cup. That underpinned his entire season. And there was a sense of surprise, I think, from people watching him. 
people have always known he was a, a talent ever since he was a kid at Manchester City. But finding the spot for him has been difficult. I've lost count of the amount of times that we've been asked on this podcast and I've been asked in, in other places down the years, where is the best spot for Adrian Rabiot? I mean, he even got tried out a left back, didn't he, at the, mm. the last Euros? Didn't Left wing back, didn't enjoy it very much. I've always wondered if he would eventually develop into a centre-back because he's tall, he's a good tackler, he's elegant on the ball. But you know what? The thing that Allegri has done, he's, he's found a spot for him. And it's really worked for the French national team, that sort of left of a, a midfield three. Now, I guess what I would ask going forward, and I think Rabiot has done a smart thing in kicking the can down the road. Stay where you are for the moment. You're doing very well there. Have a great Euros with France. And if he has a great Euros with France, he can get the contract of his life next summer. I'm not talking about the Saudi contract of his life because presumably he could have got that already. A, a con, the contract of his life in the Premier League or wherever else he wants to go, I think he would be excellent in the Premier League for, for, for three or four years. Turning up with that sort of Casemiro level of experience under his belt. And well, who knows? We might see those two in the, in the same midfield at some point. Mm. But I guess, Nicky, the question I would pose to you is him settling so well, finding his place in that Juventus midfield, becoming arguably their most important player last season, all happens when Paul Pogba isn't there. When Pogba comes back, what does that do to Rabiot and what does that do to Juventus? And of course, there's been the, the speculation this week that Juventus, if and I wouldn't fancy their chances at the moment, what if they decided to cut their losses and, and let Pogba go? Yeah, and I think that's, you know, from Juventus' point of view, uh, it, it's certainly a, an attractive option in lots of ways because it takes so much off the wage bill. He's he's the highest paid player there and he barely touched the ball last season. He's He's been obviously dealing with the injuries he's been dealing with. I think it's a, a pretty big challenge to find someone who's going to be willing to make that gamble on him. But of course, yet again, this might be a window where the option of, of, of sort of him moving to, to Saudi has some appeal because the brand is is something that they're clearly looking for and and the opportunity for Juventus again to get those wages off has has some um has some attraction even though there'll be sadness as well because I do think when Pogba came back last summer there was this big Pog back moment there was this big feeling of okay we can get have sort of a return to everything he was at Juventus which was a really transformative player it, it's a really strange moment for Juventus I think they they really sort of need to um, work out who they want to be next season and you know I've, I've just sort of been critical of, of all the the sort of players young players that Allegri has struggled with he has brought through some players from the next gen squad in the last year I uh, talk about Fagioli, Miretti, Samuel Illing Jr as well the, the young English winger he's, mm. he's brought some players through who've been quite promising but it almost feels like there's this rigidity in the ideas of Allegri which didn't used to be there he was always sort of famously this pragmatist who'd, be, who'd change things and adapt to what he had and lately he feels very rigid and that's where you end up with players who don't fit the system such as Federico Chiesa suddenly looking like they haven't got a spot anymore Chiesa does that Mr Copper Italia himself comes off the bench to haul you okay as you both know Andy mentioned it earlier we get loads and loads of questions from listeners. We do try and choose as many as we have time to fit in. And today we've got a couple of crackers. This one from Ruadan Waters on Instagram asked Nikki, did Maldini leaving Milan let the owners sell Tonali or was it always happening? 
So Sandro Tonali is on his way, most probably, to Newcastle. And Maldini was, of course, until recently, Milan's sporting director. I mean, I don't think Maldini being there would have been able to stop it, right? Because he's not the owner. I think if the owner wants to sell someone in the end, they're going to do it. But I think it certainly reveals something about why Maldini left. Um, You know, Maldini always, he turned down director's jobs at, at Milan for several seasons. He came in under Elliot. And the thing he always said before when he was turning down the job was that he wanted to believe there was a project. He wanted to believe that the club was going to invest and, and try to sort of aspire to something. And it feels like this, again, has been the difference of opinion with um, the new owners with Redbird is is that he um, he he doesn't feel like there's um, there's a project. He doesn't feel like that there's going to be um, uh, investment in the areas that he thinks they're going to need. He doesn't feel like the club is willing to spend the money to become what they were this season, a Champions League semi-finalist in a consistent way. And Tonali is a, a, a pretty clear example of that. Tonali was on a cheap contract. Of course, when Tonali first came to Milan, he came on loan initially from Blechers, struggled and then agreed to take an even lower salary so that he could get to make it a permanent deal. He personally sort of accepted lower wages to, to make that move to Milan happen. And now after two years in which he's been really sort of increasingly important, was a, a key figure this season and, and indeed last season in winning the league title, there wasn't a willingness to sort of re-up him and make him into um, this sort of really well-paid player. In fact, what there was was a looking around and going, hang on, there's a chance to cash in here. And and I think that sort of difference of vision, Maldini wanted Milan to become great Milan again. And perhaps that's completely unrealistic of him, by the way, because the world has changed. The money isn't where it was and and you are competing with the Premier League. Um, but certainly that's what he wanted and ownership um, have a much more sort of pragmatic vision I think of you've got to sell you know buy low sell high and and that's how you keep the the, the team on a good footing going forwards and so yes I do think Tonali's departure speaks something profound to how Milan, Milan conceive themselves but it doesn't necessarily follow that Maldini could have stopped it if he'd still been there. Yeah and there's one for you King Andrew um, on Instagram from what? What? Did we dodge a bullet? Uh, on Instagram from JJ Cordner, who says, who asks, which European club should be most afraid of outgoing transfers? I think Leipzig are the obvious answer to, to, to this. Um, you know, they run a really tight ship normally. Um, they've always got a succession plan for their their, their players going. Obviously, they lost Christopher and Kunku already to to Chelsea, their most influential forward player, and one that they will have to replace and that will be difficult to replace. In the how can you get one player to replace him? We talked earlier about the mess that Dortmund made of the succession planning for Lewandowski. That's because Lewandowski fulfilled so many roles in Dortmund's team that they thought actually we we need more than one player to to do it. And I feel that's the same danger really with Nkunku uh, because he's a goal scorer, he's a creator, he can drop into the 10 role, play out wide and I think even Chelsea with their really admirable um, history of breaking strikers will struggle to do with with him because he's such a good player. Mm. Uh, I think you have to look at what's up next because you always have this plan at the start of the summer especially if you're that club that does sell players and then breed the next generation. We're going to sell two and then we're going to keep the rest of the team. But the thing is, if 
players see their mates going, eventually they they wonder, well, maybe I deserve that move as well. And of course, they start to question the what 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 the club really believes, where the club think they can go. Now, Leipzig, I wonder if they've reached some sort of natural ceiling. People have talked about them as an eventual um, Bundesliga title challenger. They've won two successive DFB Pokals. They're in the Champions League again. They've got a good coach in, in Marco Rosa. They've got a good set of players. I, I struggle to see them challenging. And I think the danger is, does this team start to fall apart? Manchester City are very keen on Josko Gvardiol, and they're very keen on him. And what they decided to do Leipzig is try and price Guardiola out of the market. You know, who's going to pay 100 million for a centre-back? Well, wake-up call, I think Manchester City probably will. And so, if you let him go, Dominic Zsobozhlai's got a buyout in his contract. The, the, the buyout clause is just about to expire, but Newcastle are interested. Liverpool have become more and more interested in recent times. He's that sort of player who really lend himself to the Premier League. Very dynamic, box-to-box can defend, but really it's about what he can do in the final third. He's a good passer and he's a goal scorer, especially from range. If you lose those two as well, where's your project? You can have as much much money as you want. They're not going to be able to directly replace those players. And seeing that as last summer, they went and bought back Timo Werner and said, okay, this is not the sort of signing we've made before, but we're a bit more about win now. What is their project actually about? I think much as Juventus are having to address where their future is, is is going to be and what their eleven is going to look like next season. In two or three weeks' time, Leipzig might be doing that as well. And, Nicky, in terms of Italy and other leagues, which team do you feel is likely to lose out in the transfer window with players going out? Yeah, it's, it's, it's hard to say, isn't it, because we're still so early in the window and you don't know what's going to happen or, or what's not. If we're talking about which teams have most to lose, it's hard for me to look past Napoli just because, look, Napoli... They won their third ever title. They won it for the first time in a third of a century. It's it's been sort of such a long time coming that the possibility of Osman leaving that we've been talking about, and we already know that Kim Min Jae is almost certainly leaving, um, who's been transformatively brilliant at centre back. They have sort of the most to lose in my mind because because they gained the most last season, and you can take that away from them. But I also think Lazio quietly sort of behind them in second place we know that Milinkovic Savage isn't going to extend his contract it sounds like Claudio Lotito is willing to accept something much lower than he's ever considered before with one year left maybe about 30 million euros and I think it's hard for me to think of any one player who's more sort of fundamentally underpins a team than what Milinkovic Savage does for Lazio what he did for them again this season nine goals eight assists he's so much that the hub of that team that I think if if he leaves it's it's a really steep step up for a Lazio team that's just back into the Champions League to then say, okay, and now goodbye to your most important player. And also, unlike some of these other cases, you're not going to get a huge transfer fund out of his departure either. It's been a fascinating conversation with both of you. Thank you very much. We'll be back on Tuesday with another OTC transfer special. See you then. Meanwhile, we're all off to Brighton to Nikki's because <laughs> she is the winner of the OTC Bake Off I'm looking forward to it, Nikki. I'm a green <laughs> kid, though. <laughs> the Football Ramble is a Stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.